Welcome to the Women Want Strong Men podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stuttle. I believe it takes a strong man to appreciate a strong woman, and I'm here to bring a unique perspective to empower both sexes. I love talking with health experts, thought leaders, influencers, and people who have insightful information to share with us about our health, our society, and our pursuit for success and prosperity. As the CEO of Victory Men's Health, I work closely with today's guest, Anna Griffith. Anna is an ANCC board-certified nurse practitioner. Anna graduated from St. Louis University with her Bachelor of Science in Nursing. She is super smart, so she went on to complete her doctorate in nursing from the University of Missouri-Columbia. She is currently a nurse practitioner at Victory Men's Health and continues her education through numerous different anti-aging societies such as A4M, AMMG, and Seed Scientific Research and Performance, just to name a few. Because Anna practices what she preaches, she makes a phenomenal nurse practitioner at Victory Men's Health. So today we're going to dive in to five things that disrupt a man's testosterone, and many men are completely unaware that it's happening. Welcome, Anna. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm certainly excited to have you. So before we deep dive into these testosterone disruptors, I want to talk a little bit about your journey that ultimately led you to be passionate about men's health. Obviously, the title of the podcast is Women Want Strong Men. And by strong, I don't mean, girl, look how much weight I can lift at the gym and look how big my muscles are in this gym bathroom selfie. Wrong. That's not what I mean. I mean, confident, secure, supportive, kind, someone that wants to take care of themselves for their family. That's what I mean by strong. You're obviously married to a strong man. He's a very successful healthcare acquisition attorney. You're a mama. You're a full-time nurse practitioner. You have your doctorate. Holy cow. That was a major sacrifice that you had to make, a major time commitment. Those things don't all work and work well unless you have a supportive spouse or you're with somebody that's supportive. So tell me, how did all those pieces fall together for you? And why is it important to you that your husband takes care of himself? And how ultimately does that impact you and your little girl? Well, I completely agree that having a strong relationship when both partners are working especially and have busy lives individually is super important. Ben and I have always been very much on the same page and had the same mindset for both our professional goals, family plans, and overall health goals. So I think that's a huge contributor. It's so much more challenging, I think, to be successful individually if your partner doesn't want the same things that you want whether that be health goals or in the professional space. Exercise has been a strong component of our relationship from the beginning. It's just what we've always liked to do together. I also really like cooking healthy meals, and he and I are both very conscious of our diet. So we always want to make sure that we carve out time for meal prep for the week. And now that we have a toddler along with busy work schedules, we hold each other accountable to make sure we're getting in our workouts during the week because we just both feel better when we're doing those things. As a nurse, I have a very empathetic personality. So my husband, when he is overcome with stress and not feeling well overall, I feel like that does impact me too. So we've worked together on creating a plan that helps us both excel as individuals as well as in our relationship. You saw this morning he ran into us coming into the office doing a swap of the kid while you know he went to the gym this morning and I brought her into the office for a few minutes so that he could come pick her up so that we could kind of swap out and just doing little things like that to make things work for our daily lives. 
And I also got a kick out of your story. Uh, you have mentioned your daughter's not sleeping very well, and she's so stubborn, she'll literally stand up in her crib until she falls asleep standing up, and that you guys have decided to tell her that Santa comes every night. <laughs> I, 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 that is a trick that maybe other people are going to find useful. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the best thing that I can advise to people. It was just an act out of desperation that I'm sure every mother has done something similar. But yeah, she just keeps talking about Santa ever since Christmas and is having kind of like a developmental leap or something go on where she's not sleeping well again. And so I had a very long talk with her that Santa wanted to bring her a present. And so if she went to sleep and stayed in bed all night, he would bring her something. And so that is the only thing that has worked so far to get her to sleep all night for the past like three weeks. So (laughs) we're going to be buying lots of presents. I was going to say, do you buy new toys or just wrap up old toys? I had some things laying around the house that I hadn't given her for, they were just like stickers and little things that I made a really big deal about. So that's probably what I'll continue doing. She loves stickers. You're going to be wrapping up pots and pans. Oh, look. Yeah. She's got a spatula. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's great. And I appreciate you giving the listeners some insight into your personal relationship and how you guys put healthy eating, working out, and your health as a priority in the relationship, because that is extremely important for a relationship to thrive and to be supportive of one another. So as we mentioned, we're going to talk about five testosterone disruptors that we find our patients are pretty unaware of. And we're going to start with Propecia, generic name finasteride. So this is a fairly common medication that we see a lot of patients taking, and they're really kind of clueless about the impact that it has on their hormones. And this medication is definitely picking up popularity because it's been so easy to get because of these large telehealth companies advertising on sports TV. You see the little, you know, bald eggs, or you see these showing these amazing before and after pictures of men that were slightly losing their hair. Now they have a full head of hair. And I want to say it was something around 10 million prescriptions were written for this medication this year. So it's a serious crisis that's brewing within aging men. And I want to talk, Anna, about what you've been seeing in the clinic with the patients that come in on Propecia and some of your experience with it. Yeah, this one is really interesting. As I said, there's a lot of sides to this medication that you can talk about. But basically, Propecia is the rebranded name of the medication finasteride, which is in the class of drugs called 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. Finasteride is a medication that's been used for a really long time. It's used primarily for benign prosthetic hypertrophy, also called BPH, which a lot of people have heard of. This condition usually occurs in men around 60 years old, and this medication can be very helpful because some men have such severe BPH that they cannot urinate, and this medication helps. My previous experience working as a bedside nurse, I administered this medication hundreds of times. It's very, very common. In that population, this medication I would consider a medical necessity. And weighing the risks and benefits, it makes sense for those causes. Finasteride is the same medication as Propecia. It's just a lower 
the Propecia is a lower dose and it's given solely for the reason of hair loss. The problem with that is that there are significant side effects to taking this medication in either dose. And the side effects aren't commonly discussed or they're pushed off as, oh, this is very, very rare. So anyone who has a license to prescribe medication are always taught to discuss the side effects with patient. So your provider can't go over this entire list. There's very, very long lists of side effects associated with even the most common, basic, safe medications. But the major issues should be brought up. And I find it unsettling that we get patients in our clinic all the time who say they were either never told of any side effects with Propecia or they said, well, I developed this very, very rare side effect that they said only occurs 2% of the time or something along those lines. I had one guy tell me that when he developed erectile dysfunction after starting it, his doctor told him that it was super rare or another person said that he was making it up and that that wasn't associated. That is just completely so untrue. And I just want to talk through the actual literature on this for a minute. First of all, most prescribers have some kind of app they use to check dosages. Um, there's Hippocrates, there's UpToDate. Most of, uh, you know, just any prescriber, nurse practitioner, PA, um, MD, have one of these apps just to double check things or check the best um, research out and make sure they're prescribing the right dosages of things. Um, so if you look up Propecia on this app and check adverse reactions, there's two sections. There's severe um, severe reactions, and then there's common reactions. So under the common reactions, you'll see impotence, libido decrease, abnormal ejaculation, sexual dysfunction, and gynecomastia. And then under serious reactions, it includes prostate cancer, breast cancer, and male infertility. To really give you some data on what might be considered quote-unquote common, there's a PubMed study that investigated this topic back in 2011 and reported 94% of people in this study developed low libido, 92% developed erectile dysfunction, 92% developed decreased arousal, and then 69% developed problems with orgasm. Plain and simple, the benefit does not outweigh the risk for this medication. Um, that was a small study, but there, there's been a lot of different studies out there kind of showing similar things. So I don't know where these other practitioners are getting the information of 2% um, chance of these things happening. I also wanted to reference a PubMed article that I read, and this is just a little excerpt from it. It said, one key indisputable clinical evidence noted in all reported studies with finasteride was that the use of this drug is associated with development of sexual dysfunction, which may persist in a subset of men, irrespective of age, drug dose, or duration of study. Also, increased depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts and a subset of men treated with these drugs were commonly reported in a number of studies. That's crazy to think that there's men sitting there watching a baseball game and they may not even be having hair loss. They might just be concerned with the thought that it's going to happen to them at some point because their dad doesn't have their hair and they see this commercial pop on to keep their hair and they go through a telehealth process and they're able to access it so easy. And there's probably just fine print about these things when they really don't understand the repercussions that, that this medication can have 
not only on their hormones, but also their mental health. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. The depression symptoms are really can be extreme. And some people don't understand that. They think, I don't have any tendency towards depression. That's not going to happen to me. You know, we kind of all have sometimes have those feelings of I'll be the outlier. It won't be a problem for me. I don't have side effects of medications generally, or, you know, people make up things to make them feel better. But maybe just to go into the way this medication works a little bit will give people a better idea of why those things occur. So basically, this medication works by blocking the conversion of testosterone to DHT. So DHT is a very potent androgen. It's what causes the genitals of a baby to differentiate when they're in the womb into a boy versus turning into a girl. It's what makes a man a man. So when you block that from happening, you can see that you can have some serious consequences on a lot of different receptors in your body. So to give you an example of how powerful this medication is, when I worked in the hospital as a nurse and was administering medications to people, certain medications are determined as hazardous and have to be specially packaged and labeled so that the person administering them cannot be harmed by them in case you're crushing them or handling them without gloves, which you shouldn't do, but you know they have to point these things out for the safety of the people administering them. So Generally, this type of medication would be like a chemotherapy medication, something very strong like that. But finasteride is actually in that group of medication that is put in a separate little baggie and has this hazardous label on it. And it says, should not be handled or taken by women of childbearing age because it could produce reproductive harm. And that's because if a woman accidentally would take it and be pregnant, it would block that DHT, which would... If you have a little boy, it would cause some of the reproductive abnormalities. So it's just crazy that we see companies handing these out like candy to these guys and sometimes have irreversible damage to their sexual dysfunction. Yeah, it's gotten so severe that several websites and foundations now set up. There's actually deemed a term called post-finasteride syndrome. And you can look it up on Google and, and find tons of information, but they are trying to bring the awareness around this medication to the forefront. And at Victory, we really recommend to our patients to try other hair loss treatments prior to finasteride or not using finasteride at all, I guess I should say, but the hair loss treatments that we would recommend would be stuff like red light therapy, PRP, exomes, hair science makes a great shampoo. There's numerous different supplements, biotin supplements on the market. And there's just so much more at a patient's disposal than going straight to something like finasteride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's move to the second item on the list, and that would be sleep. So sleep is so important, and we see a large number of patients that are shift workers, and they have horrible sleep habits, and they definitely impact their hormones. Sleep is so imperative for hormone production. So let's discuss a little bit about what you see in the clinic with men that have sleep apnea and really don't have the correct sleep patterns in their life. Sure. So yeah, it's, I mean, like I was saying earlier with my two-year-old, I really feel it when I don't get my sleep. So I'm just shocked when 
people come in saying that they haven't slept well in years or they've worked night shift or some kind of shift work. Police officers especially have it really hard. You know, they some of them do like two weeks on days, two weeks on nights, or, you know, if they're in a good position, they get a couple months on each and so at least can flip their schedule a little bit easier. But sleep disturbance negatively impacts hormones and metabolism. It's associated with obesity, insulin insensitivity, diabetes, hormonal imbalance, and appetite dysregulation. Circadian rhythm disruption, often induced by shift work, can seriously impact health. For testosterone production, some studies have found that it doesn't matter if you have an altered circadian rhythm. So if you, even if you are sleeping during the day instead of during the night, but it's the number of hours you sleep that's actually more important. So sleeping less than five and a half hours or night or less a night resulted in a 10 to 15% decrease in testosterone production. And getting into that deep REM sleep is an important part of that. So the relationship between sleep disorders and testosterone in men has been studied quite a bit. And, you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, I think I sleep okay, or maybe I do. I I wake up not feeling well rested. I'm in bed enough hours a night, but I'm not sure if I'm actually getting enough sleep. So I know you've used different sleep trackers in the past, and I use one as well. And those are really interesting pieces of technology that can be helpful if you don't think that you have sleep apnea and you're just trying to figure out better ways to improve your health, that can be helpful. But a lot of what I see is that people need to get sleep studies. They have sleep apnea and they're just not getting treated for it. So yeah, I actually love the sleep tracking devices. I use the Aura Ring and I had also tried the BioStrap. And I think you use the BioStrap, correct, Anna? Yeah, I do. And I think I lean more towards the Aura Ring than the BioStrap just because I sleep more comfortably with the ring on versus versus the strap. And I found that their data was a little bit easier for me to understand. And I, I like how, you know, we get body temperature and kind of movement and if you're aware during the day, it tracks your step. I've also heard positive things about the Whoop, but I haven't tried the Whoop or don't have any personal experience with it. But I think that any sleep tracker is great for somebody that's in denial about really how they sleep. Because I'm coming from experience here with my husband and my father who thought they were sleeping fine. And they find out according to their sleep tracker, they wake up 32 times a night and stop breathing. So it's led them. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) down the road of a sleep study, which I'm assuming is going to lead to a a device or a CPAP or something of that. But sleep is so important and it shouldn't be ignored because it does have long-term consequences on your health if it goes unaddressed. So I think the data from the sleep trackers are great and it can definitely uncover necessary findings when it comes to your overall health. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, We can do so many things with medications and hormones and all of these other things, but we can give you all the things in the world. But if you're sleeping three hours a night, then you're not going to have good energy. We can do our part. You have to do your part too. But I do really enjoy the the sleep tracking. Um, There's a whole nother conversation about that heart rate variability piece and how that plays into not just your, your sleep and 
feeling rested and your recovery, but also there's some connection to your gut and a lot of different things that are very interesting and lots of different ways to improve that number related to different trainings and stuff you can do. But we could have a whole session on sleep. We'll have to bring in a a local ENT to dive deep on that with us, the ENT that we refer all our patients to. So, So let's talk a little bit about plastic. Number three on the list, and we could talk days for this uh, as well, but the exposure we have to chemicals found in plastics and personal care products is, the list is astounding. Endocrine disrupting chemical exposure is so bad. In fact, that there's a group of doctors fighting for a third type of hypogonadism classification called type three hypogonadism or testosterone resistance syndrome. For those of you that don't know the formal definition of hypogonadism, it's the reduction or absence of hormone secretion. And typically in the clinic setting, we're diagnosing with primary or secondary hypogonadism. So they're wanting to introduce a third type of hypogonadism because of the impact that these environmental disruptors such as plastic have had on our health. It's super hard to eliminate all these from our lifestyle. I mean, we're coming in contact every day with them from shampoos, hand soap, water. I mean, they're everywhere. But plastic is a pretty, I don't want to use the word easy because it's everywhere, but it's one that people can easily identify and just working towards eliminating those in our day-to-day life. So tell me your thoughts on plastic. Okay, yeah. So this topic is seriously scary and challenging because it's so hard to avoid environmental pollutants. And I know we're just zeroing in on plastics in general because the conversation around other hormone disruptors is a very lengthy one. But someone I would like to point out that I was recently referred to her research by a friend is someone named Dr. Shauna Swan. She's a really incredible researcher at the top of her field in environmental and reproductive epidemiology. So she has been on several podcasts lately. I listened to her on Joe Rogan's podcast, and I would definitely recommend checking that out because she presents a lot of very interesting information on this topic if you want some more information on that. But One of the papers she co-authored is a meta-analysis which showed a significant decline in sperm counts by 50 to 60% in total sperm counts between 1973 and 2011. So in a 40-year time span, our general population, their sperm production decreased by about half which is crazy to think about because in general, I think we all think about having our population is growing and everyone talks about, you know, we need to have less kids because there's too many of us and all of that stuff. But in general, the fertility issues have really increased. There's so many people needing fertility treatments, both men and women. This is likely due to multiple causes, but She has researched specifically the environmental factors that impact sperm counts. Included in that list are many things that occur through exposure of the mother when the baby was still in vitro, but also throughout our lifetimes. So even though we can't do anything about what's happened to us in the past, we can still impact 
what we can for the future. So, you know, on the most basic level, we're, we're surrounded by these endocrine disruptors and we can go crazy avoiding all these things. But like you said, starting out with some simple things that we can all identify, like plastic water bottles, right? We all drink out of plastics occasionally, but thinking about letting them get hot and then when plastic gets hot, it leaches chemicals into the water that we're drinking out of, right? Other things about thinking about warming up plastic, of course, putting those containers in the microwave, putting them in the dishwasher, you know, switching out some of these things for either glass or um, ceramic. Those are easy switches to do, help the environment and help your health. I see all these kids at at my son's sporting events running around with these plastic bottles that are going in and out of the dishwasher. We could easily make a switch to glass bottles there. And even the the food storage containers that you're using at your house, even though you might not be microwaving those, if you're putting them in plastic, if you're putting hot food into them and then putting a lid on them, that plastic is getting hot enough to leach the bisphenol A, the BPA. And now the new thing is, right, you see plastic that's, quote, BPA free. No, you don't even want that because that's just made out of some other chemical that also has endocrine disrupting properties. And it's everywhere down to the composite fillings that are in our mouth that has bisphenol A in it and they use a curing light to cure it and it gets hot. That releases BPA. I mean, it's, it's everywhere, but we said simple things, water bottles, food storage, the bottles your babies are drinking out of. If you switch to glass, it's a much better option than the plastic for sure. Absolutely. So number four, testosterone boosters. So... First off, a little reality check here on these testosterone boosters that are super easy to get over the counter, online, at your favorite supplement store. Almost every single testosterone boosting supplement sold today is a scam. I have very intimate experience with testosterone boosters. My husband, about seven years ago, actually took a testosterone booster that was over the counter He took it for 45 days, and he ended up in liver failure. It was uh, shocking. It was traumatic for our family. I mean, he was so jaundiced and lost so much weight. It was unbelievable. And my husband's also in medical. So this is an educated consumer showing up at the supplement store, taking advice from the supplement representative on what supplements he should buy based on what? You know, there's no blood work, there's no discussion around previous health history, and millions of men are buying these supplements all day long. The supplement industry is a $140 billion industry that is expected to double in size in the next five years. And It's hard to believe that there isn't any government regulation over these supplements. Listen, we're living in the middle of a pandemic going through COVID. I'm not promoting more government regulation, but this definitely seems like an area where we could benefit from some regulation in this industry. Because once my husband went through this experience, the doctor that was treating us said that he sees people on a weekly basis with 
supplement-induced liver failure. Now, this is a research hospital, so they see people from several different states, but still, weekly, he's seeing people that are poisoning themselves from taking an over-the-counter supplement. When we dug into this a little more to see exactly what my husband was taking, this stuff came from China, shipped into the U.S., packaged by somebody that also was a bartender, and that person then sold it to somebody else who repackaged it that eventually made it way into our pantry. And when you sit and think about that, how freely and easily people are putting stuff into their body that they have no idea where it came from, not realizing that there's no regulation around it, how long was it sitting on hot trucks, what carcinogenics are in it, it's really crazy to think about. And I know we see patients that come to us that are struggling with testosterone deficiency and have taken testosterone boosters. Tell us a little bit about what, in your experience, you see from those patients. Well, first of all, I think that you sharing your story and your husband's story and obviously starting this company out of the passion that came from that horrible experience is applaud to you because obviously not a lot of people would take such a bad experience and turn it into something that can really help a lot of other people by doing this in a more safe manner. People are looking for treatment to help their declining hormones and to help them feel better. And that's why all these supplement companies are doing well with these products because people are looking for them. And even though they're not necessarily doing anything, people continue to buy them because they don't know where else to go and they're just trying to make themselves feel better. I think both you and I agree that there are some good supplements out there for certain purposes. Both of us are really big fans of taking vitamins and different nutritional supplements that are from our pharmaceutical grade supplement company, many people just don't understand that all supplements are not created equal. And just because they're widely available and are quote unquote all natural doesn't mean that they're safe. So there's plenty of plants and herbs out there that are extremely harmful, even deadly to humans. Natural doesn't mean that it's safe. It's just a buzzword that people want to hear. Since supplements are not regulated, they can have quality issues such as contamination with heavy metals, arsenic, other things you don't want in your body. But also dosages of each component of the supplement can be basically whatever they want, whatever the manufacturer wants it to be. I've seen a lot of different combo products out there that claim to boost testosterone, but their research just really does not show that they do anything. I see Guys who have been using these supplements who report no improvement and in their labs, they have liver enzyme elevations. I haven't seen any case of someone that I need to send in the hospital yet, luckily, but I don't think that they would be coming to us if they had overt liver failure anyway. I think they would have went to the ER first, hopefully. Yeah. And and, and speaking of uh, labeling and marketing on supplements, I follow Jesse Itzler on Instagram, and he's a husband of Sarah Blakely, who started Spanx, and he started a jet company and owns a professional bass, the Atlanta Hawks. And so he's very successful in his own right as well. But he's very healthy, and he's been taking on Bayer and Flintstone vitamins, because on Flintstones, those little chewable vitamins, it says, number one, pediatrician recommended. And he's up to a million dollars now. And he will donate a million dollars to a kid's charity 
of Bayer's Choice if they provide a list of the pediatricians that voted that supplement their number one choice for kids. And that supplement has been filled for years with artificial sugars and dyes. And his point is, is that they're fake marketing or false marketing to parents to feed their children these vitamins when it's filled with junk, basically. And he's been working on this project probably about a year because he posts pretty regularly about it. And they have not taken him off on his offer for the million dollars to kids charity to produce that information. Why? Because it doesn't exist. But I love seeing people with a platform like that take on a company as large as Bayer to force that industry to pull it together and advertise what is really in those supplements. And at Victory, we use high quality products that are manufactured in an NSF certified facility, pharmaceutical facility. There's no GMOs, there's no soy, there's no gluten, you know, the list goes on and on. So we make sure that the supplements that we're going to recommend to our patients meet the criteria for a medical grade supplement that people can trust and know exactly what they're getting. And that kind of leads us right into micronutrients, because a lot of times these micronutrients, we have to supplement with the supplement. (laughs) So micronutrients are one of the major groups of nutrients our body needs, and they include vitamins and minerals. And there are several micronutrients that are needed to support testosterone production, such as vitamin D, magnesium, vitamin K. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the testing at Victory that you do on patient for the micronutrients? Sure. I love talking about micronutrients. Uh, I wish every single one of my patients would do a spectra cell test. I really do. I really, really like them. So spectra cell testing is, is the lab that we use for looking at someone's micronutrients. This looks at different vitamins, antioxidants, and then some special tests that tells us what the person's overall immune function is their carbohydrate metabolism. It's an earlier indicator of maybe someone who's seriously at risk for diabetes, even before it shows up in their general blood work with like hemoglobin A1C. So we can kind of point them in the direction of you need to eat more of these foods to correct these deficiencies. You need to take this type of supplement because if you don't like eating liver or if you're a vegetarian or something, then we can kind of personalize their plan, create them a med pack with the certain vitamins that they need to really optimize their health and well-being with that. But it can really uncover some interesting patterns connected to symptoms. So looking at someone's micronutrient testing report, it's not just, oh, they're deficient in vitamin D and they're deficient in zinc and these other couple of things. And those are things separate and we need to give them as, as pills. There's a lot of patterns that show up with certain micronutrient deficiencies and certain things point you in different directions. So having deficiencies in certain micronutrients like folate, B12, that leads me to think that maybe someone has a methylation issue. Maybe they have something called an MTHFR mutation and thinking about the fact that they're already taking those vitamins and yet they're not absorbing them. That means they need a different form of the vitamin. They need a methylated form of the vitamin, which is our supplements are all methylated, which are more easily taken up by the cells and absorbed. So 
There's a lot of things to talk about with that, but basically there's a handful of micronutrients associated with testosterone production. Vitamin D is definitely the top supplement I recommend to my patients because it's so well-researched and shown to be beneficial to such a wide variety of things from immune function to metabolism, bone health, and also for hormone production. It regulates the synthesis of testosterone and has been shown in randomized controlled trials to significantly increase testosterone production. That being said, when you look at the data, the significant increase is about 75 points on the total testosterone scale. So for someone who's actually taking testosterone, they might feel that that 75 points is insignificant. But for someone who's just looking at general numbers and thinking about improving it over time and making sure that they're doing the best that they can through supplementation and lifestyle, 75 points might make a difference for you. And it's all about the combination of everything that you're doing together. So zinc is another very important one for testosterone. It's the second most abundant trace mineral in the body. And zinc deficiency will lower testosterone and sperm production. Have you ever heard that oysters are an aphrodisiac? Yes, I love them. Yeah, yeah. I hate seafood, you know that. But I think that's because they're high in zinc. They're definitely high in zinc. And so that that's what kind of people make the correlation with there. So that's kind of interesting. And so when you replenish low zinc, it's been shown to increase testosterone. The other thing to talk about is magnesium, which makes testosterone more biologically active in the body. And then the last one would be carnitine, which boosts dopamine. And dopamine is directly related to testosterone levels. This is being used, carnitine being used in supplementation can prevent testosterone decline that occurs after intense physical stress, like really hard exercise. It's good for those people who are avid exercisers. And I love that we do more and more micronutrient testing in the clinic because for the men that are really trying to optimize, this is a great tool to do it because so often people are just taking a random multivitamin or taking numerous different vitamins and they don't really know why, but this SpectraCell micronutrient test can really dial that down and really hone in on exactly what you should be taking. So you're not just peeing money away and flushing things that your body doesn't need. So I love doing this and having this offering for our patients. Yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to your point about the doc that said he sees people in liver failure from certain supplementation, I see people who give this long list of supplements that they're taking, not knowing if there's any potential interaction of them or, you know, why they're taking them. They're just see something good about one of them and just keep adding on to the list. So for those people, I definitely recommend doing SpectraCell to see if you're overdoing it, underdoing it, and kind of get that full picture. So that's all five. And Anna, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. And hopefully our listeners had some takeaways here if they're on their health optimization journey or if there's wives listening, uh, there's some takeaways in here for you as well with the plastic and the micronutrients and the sleep. And you can pass that information on to your significant other and make an impact in both of your lives. And I know we'll be hearing more of you on the podcast since you are a provider at Victory Men's Health and provide 
provide such great insight. On our next podcast, we're going to have Dr. David Yablonski, and we will be discussing testosterone and prostate cancer. Hope to see y'all then.